It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Okay, so everyone, um, I'd like to introduce you to Danelle Mason. Uh, I met her uh, a few years ago. She is um, a yoga teacher. She's gone through the two-year Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship Training. That was a while back. Um, She actually flew to the U.S. for the first year when we had um, our initial retreat um, at CSA in Georgia. And uh, today she's going to be giving a talk, a small discussion on finding moderation and balance between spirit and a busy world. Um, again, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you, Danelle, for doing this. Uh, and um, I'll turn it over to you. So take it away. Oh, lovely. Well, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for um, inviting me in to come in and chat today. So my my talk today um, is about finding moderation and balance between a busy, um, spirit and a busy world. And I've got a few notes here, so forgive me for looking at my notes while I'm speaking to you. There's not really a lot to see, so feel free to um, just close your eyes and listen if that feels appropriate. Um, but when I think about this finding moderation between um, spirit and a busy world, I think of it in, in the yogic perspective of finding um, moderation and balance between spirit and nature. So we sort of need to ask ourselves, well, well, what is the spirit and what is nature? And these terms come up again and again in the teachings. So it's quite good to develop your own understanding about what, what these terms really mean. Now, when I speak of um, nature, I think of the, the manifest universe. It's, uh, it's objects, it's um, the existence of substance, um, it's that which we mostly identify with, that which we experience through our senses that we can see, smell, touch, hear, taste. Um, it's everything that's changing, anything that's created in nature. And then when I think about um, spirit, well, that's so this all-encompassing underlying presence of all that is, or the witnessing presence, um, the self with a capital S. So we have this dance going on between spirit and nature. And as as yogis, um, as disciples, learners on this path, it's our, our sadhana, our journey to have a greater understanding of what this dance is between spirit and nature. Now, when I think about the words moderation and balance, I immediately think about um, brahmacharya, which is um, one of the yamas. And um, brahmacharya is moderation, balance, self-control, um, conscious control and right use of our vital life forces and resources. So if we break down this word a little bit, and I've been doing this um, in the last sort of six months, looking at the Sanskrit term, and there's 
it's quite a lot of words that can make up each Sanskrit term. So I'll write out what the word is, look it up, find all the meanings around it to gain a bit of a greater understanding about what these words mean. So Brahma is what we just talked about, spirit, the presence, the, the self, the source, pure consciousness. And char means to, to move with, um, to connect, to engage or to walk with. So we've got this idea of um, walking with, connecting with, um, remaining in awareness of Brahma, as well as this moderation, balance, self-control. So I've got these two sides to Brahmacharya, which is almost like these two sides of spirit and nature. Um, so Brahmacharya in, in our lives, if you like, it's, um, it's, it's everything we do. It's um, conserving our energy, our forces, our resources, so that we do have enough um, energy to be able to give to our practices. Um, it's right use of our finances, our time, our bodies. Um, it's how we live. It's who we engage with. Um, like I said, what we consume, anything that we let in, um, overstimulation of any sort, um, or any excess or fanatical behaviour, it's what's going to deplete those resources. So it's also how we interact with our family, with our work situations, and basically how we manage our lives. Um, if we can think of our role in life as to take care of this vessel that we've got, um, this bunch of cells and atoms that are carrying around our soul or our Atman, if you like, um, this this body that we have got to experience this incarnation with. Um, and we want to take care of it with the right amount of sleep, with a nutritious diet, um, with the right amount and forms of exercise for our ages and stages of life. We want to make it as healthy and strong as we can be so that we can diligently attend to our practices. Um, there's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, um, chapter 6, I think, verse 17, that says, for, for that one who regulates their food and recreation, who is balanced in sleep and in waking and their actions, it shall dispel all unhappiness. So how might we approach trying to find more balance um, in our life so we can have this dance between spirit and nature? And for a start, we want to make our schedule as, as regular as we can, um, having an orderly life so that we have got time and energy, those vital life um, resources to attend to our spiritual life. And by attending to our spiritual life, it's going to greatly benefit us as individualized units of consciousness, um, as well as all of those around us and ultimately all of humanity. And I've found that the regularity of my own practice is what actually keeps me sane and, and balanced. Um, I look forward to the time when I can just sit and be, be present, my meditation time to be quiet, to go within, um, to focus and to do what does feel meaningful and purposeful in my life. Um, I have it like scheduled into my routine and my planner. So I have a calendar and I schedule in my meditation practice twice a day. I can share this calendar with other members of the household so that like A, they know what I'm doing and when I'm doing, doing it. And um, B, they can be a little bit more considerate and maybe quiet during that time or not so interruptive. Um, 
So that, that routine and that calendar and that schedule has, has been really helpful for me. Even, um, I think humans just do well on routine full stop. When my kids were little, they're growing up now, but when they were like little, I was a solo parent and they were, I think maybe eight to six and five. And I had to have quite a steady routine just to get through the day's activities. So the kids would come home from school and unpack their lunch boxes, put their little shoes on the shelf, come and sit down at the bench and have some afternoon tea. And then they could go and play for a bit, um, come back, we'd have dinner, you know, bath. And because there was three of them and only one of me, at the end of the day, um, each one of them had a turn at choosing a bedtime story. It could be a story or a poem or a song. And we'd all go and pop ourselves on that child's bed and that would be their evening bedtime story. So no one got upset that, you know, they were missing out on a turn. We just rotated around. Um, and they did well on that routine. I mean, they're all older now and a lot of that's gone out the window, but hopefully I installed some um, some good practices into them. So this routine um, and regularity is really helpful when we're trying to find um, this balance and moderation. Um, it's I can, You can still be flexible and spontaneous even though you have a routine. Um, I find my energy levels are more even, um, I know where the gaps are in my schedule, so it's easier to say yes, and it's easy to say no as well. Um, ultimately, by living a more orderly life, we are going to be healthier and happier, and we're going to function better. So we might ask ourselves, well, how much do we actually want to remain in this crazy, busy world? Um, many yogis might come to the path of yoga, yoga on their own healing journey, um, they might have a dissatisfaction with the way things are. They might have been through a fair amount of life stuff, um, perhaps finding themselves searching for some peace, some happiness, or even just for more meaning and purpose in their life. Um, I came to the conclusion that finding more meaning and purpose in my life doesn't mean piling it up with a whole lot of new, shiny, external stuff, circumstances. Um, we've got the other uh, yama of a parigraha of non-hoarding, non-grasping. Um, so it's letting go of these outside attachments and these transient experiences that often only just cause more suffering. So more meaning and depth can be found through simplifying, and this is a tool that we all have um, access to. So when if I feel my life is getting out of balance, um, out of control, then I just have to revisit that. Well, how can I simplify again? How can I let go of what's not important? Notice what's depleting my my resources, and then like reestablish my routine. Get get back into what I know works for me, which is this um, well ordered life. And you would have heard this. It's nothing I'm saying today is new. If you've been listening to Ryan's talks, you know, it's this, this is, this is a teaching. This is what our teachers, our gurus are telling us to do. Um, it's to live a, a well-ordered life while remaining anchored in spirit. And, and this is our dance between spirit and nature. And the pendulum's going to swing back and forth between the two. So in, in a world that um, is ever more complex, it can be quite a challenge to live simply. There's so much stimulation everywhere. There's demands on our lives from all angles. Um, our attention becomes scattered and fragmented and our forces become depleted. 
Um, we might know that we'd like more time for our spiritual practices, but all this other life stuff seems to get in the way. Or we might have a bunch of excuses that we tell ourselves, such as, oh, I'll, I'll do it when I retire, or I have important priorities and commitments right now that I can't get to it, or there's plenty of time, whatever justification process that we go through to maybe not make it such a priority in our lives. We might be just dipping our toes in a little bit, just shopping, thinking, well, am I doing just enough to get by? Um, and if that's where you're starting, that's okay for now. At least you have made a start and that's already a blessing. Um, if we're practicing the other yamas, satya or truthfulness, then we can actually be truly honest with ourselves of where we are at, um, maybe where we need to be at, and what sacrifices might need to be made to move ahead. So we attend to our spiritual life and then the rest of our life becomes less of a struggle. There's a saying that says like the, the river is going to flow anyway. We're on the river, it's flowing anyway. You can struggle against it all you like, but you're still going to be carried along regardless. <laughs> so what, what could we do right now? Like right now, we can look at how where we can make those changes, where we can make those choices. We can just slow down, um, pause, connect, breathe, even just closing your eyes and letting go of some of those external stimuli might bring you back into line with, with spirit a little more to be able to feel the essence at the core of your being. So we can do all these things, slow down, pause, connect, respond appropriately to external circumstances. We can remember to connect, engage, and remain in awareness of Brahma, of spirit. Now, um, sometimes that might be quite easy. You might have some space in your life where you can look at all that. And other times it can be quite hard, quite quite a challenge, and you'll need a firm resolve to, to make your way through that. Um, in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, the beginning of chapter two, I think it is, um, Krishna says to Arjuna, you know, from, from whence has this weakness arose? Um, he says that we need to um, abandon the show of weakness and faint-heartedness and, and stand up. So in this analogy, um, Arjuna is you, the spiritual seeker, and Krishna is the charioteer. He's consciousness guiding our way. So at this stage, Krishna has thrown down his bows and arrows. He's sunk in his seat. He's despondent at the task he has ahead. And if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling despondent, that this is a great big task, then we can remind ourselves that we can stand up, you know, or if it's a formal um, meditation session, we might tell ourselves that we can we can sit up, we can sit up straight. Um, I never got to meet the um, Roy Eugene Davis, his Mahasamadhi or his passing was a few months before I did make the big trip across the world to the United States to, um, to CSA. But I believe he um, he was known for saying, you know, sit up like you mean business. And sometimes that firm resolve might be what's needed. It's like, where can you where can you sit up? Where can you stand up? What can you make a priority? What can you let go of? Because if we're if we're not in spirit, then we're in nature. 
and here we are we're back in our dance again between spirit and nature so where where is it where can you know in your life that you can stand up and make some of these changes and choices wherever you are whatever your current circumstances are moving forward just in in slow degrees little bit by little bit affirming to make each choice in line with spirit and it's always now, every time we look at that, it's always now. Atar yoga nushasanam. Now is the time that we practice yoga. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda, one of his quotes, he said that we are to spiritualize one's life, to, that every man should find and fulfill those actions that harmoniously develop his spiritual life, his body, his mind, and above all, his soul qualities. Um, He says to concentrate your attention not on matter, but on spirit. So not on matter or nature, but on spirit, Brahma. So we might recognize what's drawing us away, what you can resolve to make routine, what would be beneficial to to bring in. um, And what is your truth? Maybe we need to let go of some outdated stories that we're holding on to before we can do this. So is there a story that you can burn through? Um, sometimes I think of this burning through stories or letting go of attachments as, as an offering or a sacrifice in a more devotional sense. It's like, I give it up, I give it over. At other times, I might just think I've come blowing up the obstacles and just firing them out of my life. They're not important anymore. They're getting in my way, so I fire them out. Maybe you might like a more gentler approach of acknowledging it, a little grieving period, thank it for its lesson. The same result as, as letting it go anyway. Um, a, few, a few years back, I was quite a competitive um, endurance runner, and there was quite a neat strategy that I would use of um, cutting the string of attachment. So I'd use this if I had been passed by someone or if I was trying to chase down a competitor, if it was sapping too much of my energy away, then I could cut this imaginary string with my imaginary pair of of scissors and, and let it go. It was quite a useful strategy. It was simple and effective. Um, I could let the competitor go, not waste my energy and non-useful thought processes, but conserve it for the ultimate goal, which in this case was to um, finish the race strong. (laughs) So you might look at, well, what approach do I need when I am making these choices? Is it a gentler approach or cutting the string of attachment or blowing it up, firing out of your life? Um, that will depend on on you and how you're working through um, those choices. Whatever choices we make, we want to practice them in line with ahimsa, the, the first yama of non-violence, non-harming, um, being kind and gentle and compassionate to all of those around you, including yourself. Um, it's in my opinion and personal experience that you probably want to take one thing at a time, just tackle one thing at a time going through this. Because at the beginning, like Arjuna, we can think this is a big task. How am I going to get through this? So we've just got to start slow, simple, simplifying our life, getting into this good routine, becoming regular. And you might look at your diet or your exercise or your overall health and then you know prioritizing your meditation sessions, getting this routine sorted. 
um, reducing other time wasting activities, um, the non-essentials really, um, because then we'll come to the harder stuff of working on relationships. Um, it might be addressing behaviours, um, an unhealthy work environment, or or even our living circumstances. And quite often we think we've dealt with that issue only for a little bit down the track for it to pop up again. What do we do with it then? Well, we have to reapply ourselves. We've got to revisit those choices again and again, um, re-establish at this moment, with this breath, with our truth, always now, always now, always present. When it comes to letting go some of these um, outer attachments, if you like, they, it, um, it's going to help us considerably further down the track when we let go of the much harder stuff. So now I'm talking about your identity and your ego and your character, um, any sense of entitlements that you might have, you might be carrying around, judgments, comparisons, um, past successes, failures, anything, any descriptions or definitions of um, how you define yourself, what you think you are, could be, would be, should be. Um, I had one of my teachers that I studied yin yoga with, his name was Joe Barnett, a lovely Canadian man. And um, when we're looking at our personalities, he used to give this great analogy of, it was called the gummy bears versus the black knights. So some of us are gummy bears, if you like, you know, the little chewy lolly thing. So they're a bit, we're a bit squishy, we're a bit soft, um, we might give up easily, have very little willpower, lack drive and motivation. That's the gummy bear. And then that versus the black knight. And the black knight is one who's going to fight to the death, um, who is really hard on themselves, always pushing and forcing and striving, um, probably not getting enough rest. And fanatical and excessive, that's, that's the black knight. So when we're looking at our own personality traits, we can think, well, do I need to be a bit more gummy bear or a bit more black knight? And we can find this balance again, our balance, um, to realise which approach might be best for us to take. Maybe it is a, a softer, more gentler approach, or perhaps you can just cut that string of attachment and, and fire it out of your life. So when we're doing this process, when we're, we're in self-study, svadhyaya, we recognise what is not our truth. Um, maybe some outdated societal expectations, cultural expectations that are getting in the way. Recognising our attachments and our desires. Um, and maybe thinking, well, what, what would it be like if we could just drop some of these definitions and exist more often in awareness? Just being breathed, pausing, noticing. You know, what would that be like? Um, we all have a bit of a story and identity we get ourselves caught up with. Um, you know, we, we think we brought a character about ourselves, um, what obstacles we may have overcome, how resilient we think we are, how much suffering we had. All of this we have to drop further down the track in our practice. We're, we're dropping our ego, our character, and our identity. 
and and that can be pretty hard. So I understand where Arjuna's coming from, how he's sinking back in his seat and, you know, overwhelmed at this task. Um, it's pretty scary. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you've got this, Arjuna. You know how to stand up. Hmm. So sometimes if we're caught up in our identity with all these character um that we've built around ourselves, maybe our successes and failures, we might think, well, you know, success is really nothing other than a successful moment. And the same goes with failure. It's really nothing but a failed moment. If we can look at what's behind the moment um, and embrace that, like what is experiencing the moment? Can we walk ourselves back? Now, the Sanskrit word I really like is plati plasava, which is this consistent moving backwards, moving backwards, moving backwards, um, witnessing presence, abiding in the self. There's a, um, another quote from Yogananda that I really like, and he says um, that it's not necessary to go through every kind of human experience in order to gain wisdom, and that you should be able to learn by studying um, the lives of others. He says, why become helplessly involved in an endless panorama of events in order to discover that nothing in this world could ever make you happy? So it's not necessary to go through every kind of human experience to gain wisdom. And when I read this, I thought, well, I would have done well making this my mantra a few years back as I sought out yet another human experience to gain wisdom. <laughs> I was studying, I think it was in the first year of my um, apprenticeship, we were studying the Bhagavad Gita. Um, I was going through this process of renunciation, non-attachment, you know, I've gotten rid of my TV, the radio, all the non-essentials, living very much a, a quiet um, yogi life, if you like. And I thought, well, perhaps I've got too comfortable. Um, maybe I need to challenge myself. Maybe I need to experience some homelessness. So at this stage, my kids had left home. I'd just come out of a yet another failed relationship. And I was living a relatively drama-free existence, thinking, well, yeah, this, is, this is okay. But have I got too comfortable? Do I just grow old and die quietly here? Or do I need to experience something else? <laughs> so I did. I packed up my, my life, my house, and... Um, rented out the house for the year and went to India. Thought I'd go and do a bit of traveling. Um, went and stayed in the ashram over there in Rishikesh for a little while. And then eventually I settled in a, a quite a big city far away from the small town that I grew up in. And I, what I realized is that wherever I went, I ended up doing the same thing. I was in this bigger city, but I still just got a job and walked my dog and meditated and exercised. And, and it was the same life, just in another situation. So I, I guess I did get my realization and my experience that it's, it's not about the place. Um, it's not about the work. It's not about your family. It's not about your job. Um, the shiny eventually will become dull. And this is all an inside job. Um, I could meditate in a, powerless dusty shed that I made my meditation spot you know for almost a year I could meditate in my van that I frequently slept in I could meditate in this ashram um, in a mansion with a view 
any corner of any airport, um, it really didn't matter the pieces on the inside. And the more established I became there, the less I cared about all these other vritties and whirlings of my mind. Um, a year later, what did I do? I moved back to my little comfortable hometown <laughs> that I grew up in. And this is where I am still today. <laughs> um, for sure, it can be much easier and way less distracting when you get things in order. So I do highly recommend that. Um, and you can learn from Yogananda that you don't have to go through every kind of life experience in order to gain wisdom. As yogis, we learn to um, consciously return to a more peaceful way of being and of interacting with the world, um, with nature, if you like. We develop this ability to be grounded and humble, showing kindness and compassion, um, while being optimistic, we find the stillness that is deep down inside of us, our connection to spirit at our core, and that might be at your heart, your spiritual heart, the hridaya. Um, this is our internal guide. This is our, our Krishna, our charioteer, guiding us on our way towards peace and truth, guiding us past what we know is transient and unreal, when to have faith and trust that this is going to guide us over all obstacles. Um, basically just learning to worry and fret less and be guided by this internal source. So we have this, this continuous practice where re-establishing ourselves and a simpler life and a routine and regularity. Um, we've got this abhyasa and vairagya. And I think that's Sutra 112, Abhyasa, Bhairagya, Bayam, Tan, Narodaha. So it's the, the ceasing, the ending, the restraining of the fluctuations in our mind and our consciousness um, through this practice, and not just practice, but repeated practice. Um, and, and the practice and dispassionate non-attachment so letting go letting go we have we're supported with this intention for the yamas and the niyamas where we can develop some contentment and and what we're doing our intention is to do our best give your best effort and then let go of the fruits of your actions or the results of your actions so this this dance again if you like abhyasa varagyam this practice and non-attachment practice and non-attachment um, learning to maybe not overthink it, overanalyze it, control it, um, letting it be enough because we are already enough. It's all inside of us already anyway. And every time we make a choice that is in line with spirit, it's, it's a bit like a, a resurrection where we go into that place in our spiritual heart, um, connect to Brahma, to spirit, decide on the right course of action and then and then resurrect stronger we've stood up yeah. so our goal is to be um, inwardly empty from moment to moment so that we can flow with this river be less of a struggle we're supported everything's in divine order the goal is to be aware of spirit and everything and everything that you do every interaction every thought, every bug, every animal, every leaf, every tree, every blade of grass, everything that you can do, try and connect back into well, what is it that is 
observing this, what is the witnessing presence, this underlying presence of all that is. So I just want to finish with um, just one more quote from Parabahansi Yogananda. He says, to live each present moment completely and the future will take care of itself. Fully enjoy the wonder and beauty of each instant. Practice the presence of peace. And the more that you do that, the more you will feel the presence of that power in your life. And so we practice and we let go. We practice and we let go. We find moderation between spirit, Brahma, and the busy world, nature. And we enjoy this dance as we're going away. It's a, a graceful dance of spirit and nature, dancing together. Radha, 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 Govinda Jaya. Mm. So thanks everyone for um, joining in today and listening from the other side of the world. <laughs> um, Shanti, peace. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.